Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Only Stupid Answers. My name is Sam Basher. My name is DJ Woldridge. And you're listening to the best dang podcast you can get your moist little ears into. Uh, Danny M, who's joining us live in the chat. No headbands today, Sam? No, I'm not. It's giving me acne. <laughs> so I took it <laughs> off. Uh, but I, I do have long hair. I can go get a haircut now, but I I think I want to wait it out. Yeah. I wanna see I, what the, I wanna, I've been building something. It's like rolling a snowball. It's, it could get bigger and bigger. I can make a normal-sized snowman right now, but what if I made a gigantic snowman? I, personally, I think this is great for the audio listeners. I think I think you're looking good. I think you're looking all right. Uh, and and I was starting to break out the other day, and and I don't normally, I don't know, that's not normally a thing for me. And my wife is like, well, you know, maybe maybe you're stressed. I'm like, why? For what? Based yeah, on what, 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 I, what, what I have to be stressed about. I don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? Yeah, what are you talking uh, yeah, about? No, I, it's, uh, it's cool uh, because for some reason now, the any glasses wearers out there who have oily skin for some reason the bridge of it Mm -hmm. on my like right between my eyebrows it has been breaking out a lot Mm. so i'm just getting like really cool little pimples (laughs) right there in the middle uh, which is it's been discouraging (laughs) to put it (laughs) to put it lightly but um gang thank you so much for joining us live if you guys are supporting us on patreon thank you uh your continued support means the world to us especially with everything going on in the world right now we understand that money's tight uh for globally yeah (laughs) so we appreciate any support that you're able to give us and today is going to be a very special episode because we will be talking about a little known musical uh i don't know if you guys have been familiar with it i don't know i had a short run on broadway i think barely barely even made it there but uh popped in for a minute hamilton and Mm -hmm. uh we're going to be talking about its debut on the disney plus streaming platform yes familiar with that as well as well as not a very popular streaming platform Mm -hmm. it was meant to be it was the rights for uh the distribution the digital distribution the film distribution of this uh musical were picked up by disney in the hopes that it would go to disney plus but also would be getting a theatrical run sometime next year i think actually was when it was supposed to hit a while yeah yeah but because of covid they decided to release it early and i think that's god Yeah, I think that was really cool of them to do. And uh, we actually have some special guests uh, who have been supporting us for for years uh, in our community who are going to be coming on later in this episode to talk about their thoughts on this performance in particular, Hamilton as a whole, as well as musical theater. And so this is uh, DJ, uh, just before we get into like every uh, all other business, what would you say your familiarity and uh, you have like a love for musical theater? Are you pretty familiar with it? I'm relatively familiar with it. Like my dad, when he was in um, high school, the, his town, uh, small, small town in West Virginia had a um, uh, garage theater. I just said it was a small. T- I assumed it's a small town in West Virginia because I assume every town in West Virginia is a small town. That might not be fair. I don't know the size of the town in West Virginia, but uh, they had a garage theater <laughs> that they would do stuff like Godspell out of and stuff like that. Um, and so he has fun stories from that time. And so I got exposed to stuff. I mean, I, it was more seeing the movies of that, you know, Godspell um, and stuff like that. I'm a big fan. I've grown to be. I think as a kid, I probably wouldn't. You know, it's like musicals boring, ugh. but as you get older, you see stuff like Singing in the Rain, um, which is one of my favorite movies. Um, uh, Mary Poppins, um, you know what I mean? There's there's a lot of benefit in that medium as far as movies go, but of course, this is different. This is a this is a filming of a stage production, which is relatively rare, but it's 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 good in this sense because it's one you know every. We're stuck at home and we're getting ready to be stuck at home with more. Um, and so it's good in that sense. But what about you, Sam? I know like uh, um, what what's your exposure to musical theater? And can you even think of another? I know that they exist, but can you even think of another filmed uh, stage performance like this one that's come out? Oh, I think it's fair to say that like none of them have been like this. Yeah, uh, It's not like, I mean, yeah, there are film staged performances. And I actually during quarantine some like friends were like oh we could watch like uh what was the one they threw out 
Hello Dolly. And I was like, oh, sweet Christ, I will never watch that. <laughs> I will never. Like, I know there's a film too, mm-hmm. but like, uh, I'm not going to do that. Maybe it's Guys and Dolls. Regardless, yeah. that's not going to be my thing. I think older musicals, I can understand the appeal and I can understand the influence and also like, basically, I'm going to be honest, any standard musical that was ever in a, in a junior high or high school, I never need to see any other version of it. Grease? Because no. those, because those are the Chicago, best ones. Nope. Yeah, the ones you saw in high school are the best. They could not possibly be better than that. So why even try? Yeah, I can't wait for Hamilton to be a staple in in high schools. You know what? Oh, it will be. They're they're important, and that's an important community for like. That's an important place for like kids to like learn and grow and become comfortable with themselves. Totally get it. Yeah. But anyways, like uh, I I I did I've definitely mentioned this before, but I, I did show choir, which was basically taking out the dramatic element uh, <laughs> or the narrative element of a musical and just doing the song parts. Uh, so I, I did have a love for it and the, and I'd seen plays like I'd seen like local productions of stuff. And like, it was, there's something kind of like cool about the way, like, cause uh, my hometown would do it. They had like a little like theater that they would uh, sometimes they get like a donation. They kind of like gussy it up a little bit yeah. and the rest of the year looks like shit. <laughs> um, but like, um, I remember like during uh, the holidays, that's when they would make it, uh, more especially put up decorations and all these lights you get like uh, and the performances were really cool like they were like fun and uh, I was in a couple musicals uh, as a kid I did um, uh, what was that called drowsy chaperone I did the drowsy chaperone yeah I remember I, I hope that's the name of it I was the uh, if anyone remembers that one I was the groom in it which is like the male lead which I only got that because the main kid quit <laughs> <laughs> got it and I had to learn how to I definitely told this anecdote before. I'll tell it again. I, I had to learn how to roller skate blindfolded. Nice. To do it. Nice. And there was a lowered pit for the orchestra. So you had to like, I, it was a blindfold that I could see through, but I still had to learn how to stop and, and not fall 10 feet down <laughs> into the into the pit onto a bunch of musicians. Uh, and it, and also you had to sing while on the, the skates. It's like, it's like it, once you get it, it's not that hard because also like my bride would kind of guide me around. And uh, that made it a little easier. But anyways, I did other musicals as well. One of my favorites was the, it's like the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee that has just so many amazing songs in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sang the song called My Unfortunate Distraction, but the, but the musical version of it, the adult version that you would not sing in high school is My Unfortunate Erection because it's about a nerdy kid with a cape that goes up to spell and he gets distracted because he's trying to not think about getting nervous. He thinks about like, I think he thinks about a girl mm-hmm. and uh, he accidentally gets an erection on stage and like, it's like, it sucks, but like you can't sing that at a school, even though like clearly everyone in the audience knows yeah. what you're saying. Uh, I remember I sang that one. That was fun. Uh, also, one of the best episodes of Scrubs of all time is the musical episode. And mm-hmm. they did some amazing, some guy love is one of my favorites, even though it's got some like gay panic in there mm-hmm. <laughs> a little bit. It's trying to promote healthy relationships between guys that are not like fully like masculine, like beating each other up. It's like sharing your feelings, but like, eh, you know, whatever. Anyways, yeah. I think the music in that specific episode is really cool. And, and uh, the first musical I actually ever saw on Broadway was in the Heights. And that nice. was, a real treasure. I saw, I've seen Waitress on Broadway, which was really cool. And I saw the Adams Family musical, which did not get a long run. And I get it. But Nathan Lane played um, Gomez. Cool. And I thought that was actually, that was a very cool thing. Like, I, I don't think I need to see a movie where he plays him, but having like that voice being Gomez, like I was like, wow, this is really cool. Like I, I was, uh, I was really blown away in the Heights though can't fucking wait for that movie and that brings us back to Lin-Manuel Miranda yeah. and uh, we're going to be talking about Hamilton Full before we get circle. into that uh, I did want to give a shout out to all the podcast listeners out there that's you guys uh, thank you so much for your support if you wouldn't mind doing a five star review anywhere you listen to your podcast it helps us move up in the charts whether that be Spotify, iTunes or I guess it's Apple Podcasts now uh, Google Podcasts, what have you we're on too many platforms to keep track of uh, it's a big mess of a medium, mm-hmm. but we are here to create content for it. So yes. please uh, support us however you can. And thank you to, again to all of our patrons. But DJ, let's go ahead and kick it off. Uh, we start every episode with the segment, what we're into this week slash how you doing? Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and throw it to you. Uh, I'm doing okay. Doing okay. Uh, uh, weird week, you know, like for everybody. But um, um, uh, what I've been into, what I've been watching is um, I'm, I'm nearing the end of Banshee. Um, which is which is interesting. I'll be interested to see how that wraps up. But I did finish um, watching 
Gravity Falls. Hell yeah. Yeah, I did finish watching Gravity Falls. And who boy, by the end of that show, uh, does it become... Because it, it, it starts off, you know, when you fir- the first few episodes, starts off like, oh, it's pretty standard kid show stuff. And that is not where it ends up. Mm-hmm. Um, and- I really love one... By the way, just really quick, the episode where they go into that prison that Mabel's in, and when yeah. they start contradicting it, the way it all, like, collapses and turns on you, mm-hmm. was when I was like... Wow, if I was a kid, I don't. I'd have to go get my parents to show them. This. Yeah, <laughs> I'd have to yeah. be like, "Is this okay is this for me okay to watch to check out?" Yeah, yeah I, I really like and all the stuff with Bill, um, uh, who who seems kind of like a one-off, and then ends up becoming. I guess spoilers for Gravity Falls for those of you who haven't seen it. Um, he becomes the the main antagonist, and I like the emphasis on Weird Mageddon and the idea of like it's it's a it's the way they couch it is good because you look at something like Adventure Time. And there's a sort of psychedelic weirdness that is just baked into the basic premise of that show. And so it goes weird and trippy places, but you're kind of on board for that. So so taking a show that for the most part feels like your standard kids adventure show and then to escalate the level of weirdness the way they do, it makes it for what is a Disney kids cartoon um, makes the threat feel tangible, like makes the threat feel real. Like, uh, and, and the stuff that they slip in, like when they talk about Bill's throne and they basically straight up say like, yeah, all those people are alive and they know what's happening to them and they're ma- they make up the throne, even though they look frozen. You're like, wow, this is wow. bleak. Like this is, this yeah. is tough for a kid's show. Like, uh, and they, and I think it's, there's, uh, Near the end, they talk about there's a, the running gag of the show within the show of uh, Duck Detective. Is that what it's called? Duck Detective. So yeah, Duck Detective. Duck Detective. Yeah. And um, and somebody's making fun of Stan for watching it, and he's like, "Listen, there's a lot of references for adults in there." And then the kids are like, "Yeah, it goes right over my head." And I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> that's what's because because there's some stuff that you think even a kid would be like, wait a second. The one that got me is when Bill first shows up, and um, I can't remember the rich girl's name right now. But uh, Pacifica Northwest. Uh, yeah, her, great name. Her dad immediately is like, hey, I would love to be your lackey and, and help you take over the world. And Bill, I, I forget the way he phrases it, but he basically reverses all the holes on his face. So it's like <laughs> eyes where his mouth should be and his ears or noses. And I was like, this is insane. Uh, but he, I, uh, I like also, it's the uh, scene where... It's in the finale. I think it's when like Bill chases after Mabel and Dipper and he becomes like enormous and his like arms are all like popping out of him. I'm like, yeah. wow, this would be an immediate nightmare fuel for me as a child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really it really becomes like once it's it, once it hits the second season, it becomes more invested in um some of the grander mysteries. It's it's interesting how much the show escalates and really becomes something uh cool and it's always it was always good, but it really like elevates itself. Um, and I also have to highly recommend, now that I finished the show, I've started watching the shorts, the Gravity Falls shorts. And they're, each one of them is only like three minutes. But they might be as good as the show is in those three minutes. Because it's just literally like one crazy idea or one funny gag. Like I just watched one that's just about uh, Seuss having his own. Because the, the bit with the shorts is that they're filming themselves. Either trying to solve a mystery or in this case Seuss fixing stuff around the shack. And it is hilarious. And the jokes are really good. I, I, if you have Disney Plus, it was funny talking to my parents because they have Disney Plus. And so they're talking about stuff that they would check out. And I thought about mentioning Gravity Falls. I'm like, nah. Nah, nah it's, too, it's too weird for my parents. It's too uh, weird. By the way, Seuss, all-time favorite episodes. One, in season one, it's when the, the Street Fighter character comes out of the game. Yes. Just the, all the mechanics of how he works is so funny. But also when... Zeus gets the girlfriend in the video game and yeah. it starts jumping to different technology and they get like you get like a five nights at Freddy's in that restaurant while yeah. he's trying to like go on a date that whole episode was so so funny yeah, really so good. good um I liked the introduction of Ford a lot although I will say they make a big deal about Ford having six fingers and yet they never comment on the fact that Mabel and Dipper only have three fingers Really? Um, yeah, <laughs> which is a little bit weird, but hey, sure, whatever, we'll roll with it. And I Wait, like he, really, yeah, Dipper, yeah. because once they mentioned that he had six fingers, I immediately looked at Dipper and Mabel, and they only have three fingers. Oh wait, three and a thumb? Yeah, three or and a thumb. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they don't have the full four, and it's like nobody comments on it. But I'm like, all right. Well, Does Stan have four? He has four. He has a full adult hand. Adult hand. Yeah, he has Maybe a they... full adult hand. 
that's well that's worth checking out again uh i'm glad you watched it i I, I was it was a lot of and also weird again just how that like the weird spheres also linda cardellini and uh Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, Josh Josh Ritter, I think. Uh, Josh Ritter. Yeah. It's a J. It's um when he uh, they get to play their characters for like a second yep. on screen. I thought that was pretty cool. That was a really funny bit, and um, it's interesting too because even like in early episodes when they like Old Man McGucket and he makes that uh, one of my least favorite episodes is Old Man McGucket when he makes the sea monster machine. I was like, mm-hmm. wow, this is lame. But that actually. Whether I, I can't imagine that that was intentional at the time, but that actually matters. Isn't important later in the show that like McGucket is good with mecha- what feels like a one-off joke of McGucket's good, weirdly good with mechanical things. Actually, is uh, very important to what goes on in the show. So his props to them. Jason Ritter is sad. His, Jason Ritter, yeah. yeah, his his life is sad. His life is sad. And also, before you know, we leave Gravity Falls. I I. I just got to share my affection for Kristen Schaal's performance in that. Mabel is so funny, so consistently funny and entertaining. And so, like, when they have to go save Mabel, it's like, yeah, you got to go save Mabel because Mabel's my favorite character on the show. And her, and her, uh, oh, you know, another thing, talking about stuff that, like, messes with you and you're like, how did they get this through on the show? One of my favorite, they, a lot of the show episodes in second season are building on the mythology, but one of the ones that doesn't is when they go on the road trip and Dipper's trying to get better at talking to girls and they're going and pulling pranks at the other tourist trap places. And Stan gets trapped by a spider person. And at first, the spider person's upper torso is that of a woman. And then she pulls her mouth open and like a, the full spider like head comes out and I'm like, this is insane. Like yeah. that, that was genuinely, that genuinely made me uncomfortable in a kid's show. But yeah, anyway, uh, I, I think about that cause Mabel's friends are great too. Um, summer ween is a great episode, but, but the standout for me and especially even watching the little shorts is, is Kristen Shaw's performance as Mabel. And, and I, I, for some reason in my brain, I, I think like Kristen Shaw has like a bit, but you look at Mabel and you look at what's, what's her character's name in, um, uh, Bob's Burgers, Luis, Luis, uh, and they're very different characters. And then you think about her in Last Man on Earth, just, just, and and uh, my first introduction to her was Flight of the Concords. So great, and and I really love Mabel as a character, and I even love the running gag of like her sweater being different every time she pops up. I uh, by the way, when she's on What We Do in the Shadows, and she's like the person, the vampire that did you you watch the trial episode, right? Yes. So she's the one who like escorts them like through like the dungeon. They're like, wow, there's like torches. He's like, no, they're electric. It's like, do you think that'd be a big fire hazard? We can't do that. <laughs> I, I <laughs> she's so good. Yeah, she's uh, I'm so glad great. you watched it and Same. I'm glad you enjoyed it. So people, please go check that out. Uh, I want to give a quick love. shout out to the Food Network for making the best content on TV. It is no <laughs> contest. It is amazing. Chopped. It is just the best television show ever created how familiar are you with chopped uh un unfamiliar oh do you not know the premise no i don't I, think maybe, i do i don't think i do i might once you start describing it but right i can't yeah well it's a food competition show where they bring on chefs from different restaurants so there is a like they are comparable they're not like bringing on it's like there are some shows where they just bring on like regular people and they're like do make a souffle in 10 seconds and like oh god and you're like we laugh at them for being stupid yeah, yeah, but yeah. In chopped we have to laugh at the professionals because they are given they have to the competition is four people and one gets eliminated each round there are three rounds and they have to make a, a start out making a uh, appetizer then an entree and then a dessert and they get a basket of four ingredients that they have to use. They can make whatever they want, but these four ingredients have to be in it and they have to finish it and make it. And they get judged on presentation, taste, and um, uh, how well the ingredients were incorporated. Uh, and the four are meant to throw you off. Some are like just a vegetable you've never heard of, or one is like a fully processed Thanksgiving dinner, but you can't make a Thanksgiving dinner. You need to incorporate that and make a different thing with it. Uh, and I've been watching, I'm just kind of like popping into like some random episodes. Um, one of the what was one of the great ones they did they did uh chopped impossible where they brought on like this 
uh, chef who has Kitchen Impossible. It's basically the same thing as like, like um, a Gordon Ramsay type guy. He's like a very tough uh, ex-military chef who runs a lot of restaurants and he comes and he tries to save restaurants with like tough love, you know? Yeah. And so he's uh, giving them really tough challenges to have to go up against uh, this guy at the end. And it's really good. Anyways, Chopped is very entertaining because they'll, they'll get like uh, the roots of a carrot and then a 75 pound gummy worm and then they'll get uh, a canned pickled turkey and then they'll get and they'll get like christmas sugar cookies and it's like make a entree go and they have to they have to use all of them and then like the best part is when you get the judge and like psh, they try to do that and one of the best parts of chopped is every goddamn chef during the dessert round tries to make ice cream mm -hmm. and one of my favorite moments because it sucked for them like i would hate doing this competition was someone tried to make an ice cream and you have to when it's being like churned and everything you need to get a spoon and kind of like it comes out but you need to like cut it off with the spoon this person was scooping their ingredients in with the same spoon and it accidentally got sucked into the machine and it like they're like wow the, and they win ten thousand dollars on this and like well that cost ten thousand dollars so they'll be paying for that once that's all done and it's like wow that sucks Jeez. One of the uh, an evolution of that is a show on Food Network called Tournament of Champions, and all the judges and all the personalities from Food Network come together, and they are ranked, uh, and they're in they're in a bracket, and they get to compete against each other in a similar way uh, for a big prize. But a cooler part of this is that they are they are like the creme de la creme. They have like four restaurants to each of their names. They've won all these awards, and like they're they're like next level. Like they're insane. And so Tournament of Champions is they have a uh, this giant, um, enormous kitchen. They get to compete against each other, and they have a wall where everything's randomized. Where it's like, this is your on, this is your protein, this is your vegetable, this is the one tool you need to use to cook with. This is uh, one of the, these are the flavor palettes you need to use, and here's your time. So it's like you'll have to use a tortilla press in this. You need to make a breakfast that's also smoky. You're going to be using duck, and you're going to have uh, like this, like bok choy. I think was one of them. And you have 30 minutes. Go. Yeah. And it, it's it's something about it. It's just like uh, it's not really the competition part. And one of the, oh, one of the greatest elements of tournament of champions is once they're done cooking, they make three dishes. They go away. Then three other chefs come in who do not know who made these they are like nancy silverton i'm just gonna throw out a couple names mark samuelson and a couple other people come in uh who are just like world-renowned chefs yeah. they come in and they get to taste it and judge it but the contestants get to watch a feed of them judging it uh without them knowing who it is and it's like god that's heartbreaking where they're like this that one time Nancy Silverton, who created La Brea Bakery mm -hmm. uh, and also has a many other restaurants out there, she said, like, oh, I'd put this on my menu. And, like, uh, imagining someone that you looked up to so much saying that they would take that dish and put it on their menu would feel great. But then it'd be like, oh, but it just needs a little bit more salt. And then you just see these professional chefs, like, <laughs> going to the uh, field position because you're like, ah, fuck, they're fucking dead. They're not going to – they're not making it. Yeah. They, didn't put enough, <laughs> they didn't put enough salt. Or, like, they didn't, they, they didn't like, steam their fennel long enough. <laughs> they didn't do like you know like i don't know yeah i don't know why it's bad i know that i would never be able to make the, these things but um it, it's also some content that is that is genuinely entertaining it's funny uh there's the race against the clock feel and also watching some them using dishes and foods that like maybe i'll never try in my entire life you know like i'll yeah. never even have this but seeing that the expertise it's the same thing whenever you hear someone really passionate about a field you're not familiar with and just seeing yeah. how much they love it you're like fuck that's really cool yeah. like um throwback to an early episode with mike falzone he talked about wrestling where that's like not really our thing but we're yeah. hearing his love of it was really cool so hearing these people take these dishes and create something really special uh it is really cool and really inspiring. So, uh, and it's not going to make turn me into a chef anytime soon, but like it does give you the motivation to be like, you know what? I should try. I should just, I should try to experiment a little bit more. And I don't mm -hmm. need to be eaten like alligator, but like I, I've tried it. It's not bad, <laughs> but like I'm not going to start cooking that for every meal. And also, last thing, last, last thing, because we need to talk about Hamilton, but HGTV, Tiny House Nation, or there's also Tiny House International where they start looking at different tiny houses that you can buy uh, all around the world. And there was this uh, one episode we watched where this couple in Dublin owned like a two story, six bedroom country house with like 10 acres of land. And it's like the rolling highlands in Ireland. You're like, wow. Yeah. Like, why would you want anywhere else? And they're like, they wanted just this uh, place in the city and they show all these 
fucking awful tiny houses. Some tiny houses you find them on like Instagram, they're beautiful. These one they the one they settle with is a house where imagine a line of apartments, yeah. a line of houses all connected like duplexes, and but the builders started at both ends. Mm-hmm. And then they met in the middle and there was an extra six feet. And they're like, you know what? We can put something there. And that's where six feet across is the width of this entire house. And it sucks. And they pick it. But anyways, I know there's a lot of great TV out there. I do understand why these shows are so popular. Because sometimes you're like, fuck, man. I just had dinner. I had a long day. I'm emotionally exhausted. I do not want to watch a show that has to make me think right now. I'd rather watch a show that's going to show me something I've never seen before. And also see people make... Sometimes bad fucking decisions, <laughs> like just on air, like they're gonna make a bad. I just want to see somebody else's bad decisions right now. Yeah, like you're eating, like you got like chips all over your shirt, and you're watching someone making a like a beautiful, like stuffed quail, and you're like, ah, oh, but they didn't poach it right. Like they didn't the poaching. These people are stupid. <laughs> uh, I hope they, I hope they lose their restaurant. Um, but um, uh, uh, anyways, I could talk about that for. Oh, maybe it'd be fun to do an episode on Chopped. But anyways, I think it would. Maybe we can get one of the chefs. That would be. There's a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. Uh, and there's a lot. To pick also, from. developing reality TV seems very interesting. But enough about that. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about Hamilton because uh, DJ, you have seen it uh, at the Pantages, correct? In Los Angeles. Uh, no, actually, that's a sad story. No? I was supposed to be seeing it probably this month. Oh really? Yes. I thought you had seen it before. No, no, we oh, got we finally got tickets. That was one of the that was one of the big excitements for this year. That COVID shat down the tubes. Um, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> well, we were able to get. Um, uh, now we have tickets for sometime in January, if we're able to do that. <laughs> oh yeah, I had a bunch of concerts this year that I. I honestly would rather personally. Uh, some of these concerts were hard to get tickets for. I, I kind of hope they just refund me. I don't want to be teased. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to yeah. keep getting teased. Like it's going to be a long time till I feel comfortable going to a theater or mm-hmm. going to uh, any theater, like musical or or movie, or going to a concert venue. Like it's going to be weird. Yeah. Um, but I apologize. I'm sorry. I didn't know you already had tickets. I, I thought you had seen it before. No, no, no. We got we got tickets. We'd been saving up because it's this was the first time where it was like affordable. You know what I mean? Like relatively affordable. Which I think when is it such- was here last, I used the lottery on the Hamilton app. I would do it every single day. No. Yeah. Never got anything. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was tough. It was a it was a good opportunity, and we were going to do it for. Uh, it was going to be a celebration thing, but you know what? It'll be a celebration for something else. It will happen down the line. You know, um, uh, it will, it, this, we'll figure this stuff out eventually. Fingers crossed, God willing, whatever. Um, but, and, and so it does, it's, it's cool to see. I kind of do wish the first time I'd seen it had been, you know what I mean? Like, like in the theater, but I'm glad that they moved this forward, especially since stuff like the, the movie Friend the Heights got pushed and all that stuff. Um, I'm, I'm glad that they did this. And also talking about like, we talked a little bit about this, you know, we're lucky we have the Pantages, um, places like Chicago and obviously New York has Broadway, um, where you can see, uh, versions of this, but for a majority of people in the world, they don't have an opportunity to go see these professionally done shows and i and from what i understand hamilton has done a, has 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 tried to be as accessible as possible trying to outdo you know scalpers and all that other stuff and you know you talked about the lottery stuff like that um uh, bringing uh, schools in to come see it and this is just another you know i know when uh, uh i'm the type of person that like when i heard that they censored there's a there's three f words in hamilton only three, and they had to censor two of them to get the PG thirteen rating. And I was like, and I was like, bullshit. And it's like, just put it on Hulu. Like, come on, like whatever. But when I get why it, you want people to buy Disney Plus, but well, yeah, and but also not just that. But Lin Manuel Miranda talked about how like this is a way to make it accessible. And I have a friend of mine that teaches um, a friend of mine from high school that now teaches school in Florida. And if it was R or whatever, she wouldn't be able to show it in her classroom. And now she can because it's PG-13 and it's on Disney+. And so it all feeds into that idea of accessibility. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'm thankful that uh, they moved it forward. Uh, and I'm thankful that like so many people are getting to experience it now. And I think a lot of musical theater people are, are kind of, you know, uh, like every like every industry right now, people are worried about it. Uh, going away or, or being irreparably damaged by all of this stuff, and I, 
And I and I, I think that that's not going to happen with a, most of them just because everybody it's everybody. You know what I mean? Like if it was one if if it was just if this was just affecting musical theater, yeah, maybe musical theater ain't going to make it. But like every comics, movies, musical theater, every everything's affected by it. Um mm-hmm. so I think it will come back, but in the meantime this is a good idea to kind of, a good way to build up um, that fan base and, and for younger audiences that might not have been exposed to that, this is a good opportunity for that. And and it's a good play to do that with because, you know, watching it, it's it's a diverse group of performers from from every background and every um, and, and it references m- multiple different, uh, you know, musical genres and styles. And, and it's a good opportunity for people that maybe have never considered musical theater, but it would mean a lot to them to uh maybe see a place for them in that medium and for me i i think the i, I always say my one negative here because i had not seen it either and also i really refrained from listening to it even though everyone's like hey you should listen to it so you can catch all the l- lyrics i'm like i've saw it in the heights i know how this works i know i'm not gonna catch everything but i'm gonna get the tone i'm gonna understand what they're saying regardless if i'm hearing every word that they're saying yeah um but now i'm listening to it nonstop, and i'm and i'm uh and yeah the only negative i had was that um I, I think there's an energy you miss uh, when you're not seeing a live performance because you get like there's a there's a give and take from the audience. It's like why con- like any concerts uh, special or like live comedy shows like make them extra funny. You know, like there's always some there's an energy there, especially in an audience of a musical because like I watched it with um, like we were like kind of like talking. With, I was talking with my uh, younger brother with uh, about this and like the only musical i think he's ever been like slightly interested in is la la land and mm. even though it is i guess technically a musical it doesn't feel like it really um there are musical numbers in it uh but uh that really hasn't been his thing but uh um i, I think uh, the way i was trying to explain it to him is just like it feels like the truest like emotional expression of what these people are feeling in that time. And that's kind of what they're trying to do. They're trying to like, you're trying to learn empathy about all these people uh, mm-hmm. in this musical in particular. And uh, that's not the same for all musicals, but I think Lin-Manuel Miranda in particular, the, like in the Heights is like these little vignettes. There's one overall story, but you get little vignettes for like the guy making shaved ice or like this uh, one character's father and like all these other stories. And you're just yeah. like, uh, there's something special about the energy of that show and, and the heart and the, that is poured into these performances and the just sheer fucking talent. Like there, there's so much just raw talent on stage in terms of the, the physical, like the physicality, the acting, the uh, vocal range and maneuvers they're able to pull off. Like, I know I said, call it maneuvers. That's not what you call it when it comes to vocalization, but like there, there are these runs they'll do where you're just like, Holy shit. Like, just like, I can't even like imagine it, but it, it adds, it builds a personality like Mm -hmm. Jonathan Groff in in particular, when it comes to uh, the King's performance, Uh, the way his little like that, like that whole thing, this like playfulness to it, it is masterfully executed from by the actor, the composer, the lyricist and the director, like, and the uh, conductor with the musicians below. Like there's so much that has to go right to make this work and not saying like movies have it easier, but cause there are like thousands of people that work on those to make those work. But something about musical theater is like, you have to just do it over and over and over again. Like there can be mistakes and that's okay. Like I remember I saw wicked and uh, you saw wicked, yeah. correct? Yep. Thanks. So you. for people who haven't seen it, it, it's not so important for my reference to what happens is, but in the second half, there is a moment where the male lead the the love interest swings in on a rope and lands in the in the front of the stage. When I saw it, he almost biffed it, and he like he literally swings in like he's like a couple of feet off the ground. And he lands with a gun, and he and he points the gun. When I saw it, he his feet almost slipped, but he caught himself, and the audience laughed because he smirked a little bit to let them know it was okay. And I mm-hmm. thought it was like a really smart choice for the actor. Yeah. It broke the tension for just a second, but then they pulled it back together. And I was like, yeah. okay, that was cool. But um, uh, also when it comes to the hardships of doing live performances, Ben Platt went on uh, Dak Shepard's podcast and he talked about opening night of Dear Evan Hansen, which I highly recommend if anyone can ever find a recording of that or go see that live. It's a very good show, but there is a scene where a motorized end table comes in and brings a drink Mm -hmm. and it shorted out and fell and broke and on opening night. And this was the first time he led a, a musical before. And I could just, you had now have to act your way around this huge fucking problem on stage and it's like yeah. what the fuck do you do man could you imagine but last side note because i want to bring in our guests 
I wish one day we could see a recording of Spider-Man turn off the dark. I just wait, you know, there's so many know. fucking problems. I don't know. Man. I don't know. So, give it a couple, like they didn't even joke about it in Spider-Verse. Yeah. They like didn't That's even like true. they joked about everything embarrassing about Spider-Man. They didn't even touch they didn't even they didn't touch even... into the dark. No, but oh, to go off your point real quick, I, I I will say for this particular version, whenever and anytime I've ever seen like a, a, a taped performance, you're right. What you if you're in the theater what you're experiencing is a performance is so big and electric that it is able to excite the people at the very back, you know, and the nosebleeds, you know what I mean? Like it's able to get those people amped. And when you record it, cause it's just on the stage, it suddenly feels small. It, it definitely feels smaller than it would if you were seeing it live. Um, but that's just the nature of it. You did mention comedy specials, like comedy specials cut to the audience a little bit. Maybe maybe they could have done that. But they do have, they did mic the audience, so you get their reactions to stuff. And fortunately, these recordings, they are playing to an audience. And so there's certain things, like going back to um, Jonathan Groff's performance as the king, you can feel him play the audience. You know what I mean? And so that is cool. And there's certain other elements that like, wow, that would probably be cool if I saw it live. There's two times where they do this like, quote unquote like bullet time thing where there's an actor portraying the bullet i'm like man that'll probably be cool live here it looks silly <laughs> here it looks kind of no, silly I, I get it but i yeah. didn't like it because i liked that this is what you would have to do yeah like what this this is but off that note you talk about the performance i've listened to i've been listening to um the show for years now i probably for when i i think i don't remember when the show started but i've been listening to the album for years and what you don't appreciate that, obviously the vocal performances and everything, but what you don't appreciate is the the ensemble performances, the the dancing, the the sheer level of performance going on. Um, like I remember, you know, a couple of weeks ago we had a guest on and I talked about um, um, uh, Yvonne Orgy's stand-up special and she comes out dancing in heels in boots and then does her whole comedy special and i was watching it i was winded after the dancing like i was like oh shit man i can't even imagine this and then you see something like this you're like fuck i am not built for this world like i just couldn't fucking do it like i would run out of breath doing the singing let alone literally every other thing that's happening while they're doing it the acting the 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 dancing the entirety of the performance and so it's it's incredibly impressive to see and it's incredibly understandable to see why you know there's people like David Diggs and Jonathan Groff and of course Lynn Manuel Miranda that you've seen in in other things after this but even like um Renee Elise Goldsberry who plays Angelica she was in uh, Altered Carbon I had no idea I've been listening to this woman sing for years I had no idea that she was also on Altered Carbon uh it's it's it makes sense that these people have been pulled into other stuff and it also makes sense after watching it that like Lin-Manuel Miranda has been showing up in like uh his dark materials and stuff like that because it's like you know what and writing songs for like Moana because you're like I would also take a break after this because what what do you follow up Hamilton with you know what I mean what is your follow-up to Hamilton it's like you don't you wait a minute you take that Disney paycheck you I think because he's writing I think he's writing music for another Disney movie now you do those acting things. You take those Disney paychecks, and you give your you give yourself a little break because you've deserved this, it. Yeah, because this is just the biggest show in the world. Um, you know what? On that note, let's go ahead and bring in uh, Caitlin and Maggie, who have been longtime supporters of the show. And Caitlin has been on the show before, but this is Maggie's debut Woo! on the show. Let's go ahead and bring you guys in. Hello, Hello. welcome. Please, uh, Caitlin, uh, we'll start with you. Introduce uh, yourself to the listeners. Uh, tell us one silly fact about yourself, and then tell us what you thought of Hamilton. Oh man. Uh, well, I'm Caitlin. Um, Silly fact. Um, put me on the spot here, Sam. Um, favorite Pokemon. Favorite we'll Pokemon. Rowlet. My favorite Pokemon. There you go. Good shout. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am a huge fan of Hamilton. Um, I actually was lucky enough to see it live on Broadway with the original cast. Whoa. Um, yeah. So the, I've really been looking forward to this because that was five years ago, four years ago. Um, so definitely was very excited to see it again in this different, um, medium. That's awesome. Uh, Maggie, we'll throw it to you. Uh, please introduce yourself, favorite Pokemon and, or, uh, superhero character. <laughs> and, uh, let's, let us know your history with Hamilton. 
Hi guys, um, I'm Maggie. Um, I'm pretty new to Pokemon, so my answer is pretty basic. Um, Eevee is my favorite. Good, Good shout. Um, favorite superhero, um, probably Speedermain. Um, <laughs> basic Turn off the dark. Yeah. <laughs> basic as well. Um, and I got into Hamilton basically when everybody else did, like, I had um, heard about it when it was off Broadway. It was getting really big. And then once the recording, the official recording was available, like I listened to it all the time. Um, And then I got to see it in the summer of 2017 at the Pantages in Los Angeles. And it was amazing. (laughs) That is sounds, I mean, that's really cool. Uh, My girlfriend, I uh, was actually lucky enough um, to see it twice when it was here in uh, Los Angeles for the first time. And I'm very, uh, I was very dumb <laughs> to try not piggyback off that and go with her and go see it. Uh, Cause that would have been uh, pretty incredible. Also the Pantages is a uh, I, Maggie, maybe, you know, more, cause I know you have a, a history with theater. It's pretty solid theater. Yeah. It's a pretty, uh, pretty good time. Pretty good bones. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to talk about a theater. I was surprised when you were saying that, like, oh, is Lin-Manuel Miranda going to be in the Pantanger show? No. Ew. No, thank you. I'm not going to go see it. <laughs> is that what, that's what you said? That's what you said. That's why you didn't uh, go with Taylor. Very true. Yeah. Yeah, I say yuck. Yeah, no, like, yuck. No, Lin-Manuel Miranda's not going to be there. Ew, don't want to. There's only one actor, and his name is Lin-Manuel Miranda. Everyone else is a poser. Yeah. Uh, but, okay, so you guys uh, both have been able to see live performances, and DJ and I are both very envious of you yes what did you guys think of this uh taped recording maggie i i am going to assume that you probably watched uh other taped performances of musicals uh let us know what your thoughts are on this specific one hamilton and other like tape musicals what are your thoughts on them yeah um a thing about taped musicals is like you think it would be more common but it's not (laughs) like Mm -hmm. there's this one um, a couple years back, they did this sort of thing for Newsies because it was popular, but not Hamilton popular. Yeah. Um, so they had that in theaters and it had like a couple encore performances. And that is also on Disney Plus. Um, and I've watched that a few times. Um, the only version of Cats, which is the 1998 recorded <laughs> filmed uh, stage version of that uh, show is the best. I've been obsessed with that one. I want the butthole um, cut. <laughs> <laughs> Give it. Give it. And then, and then there's a filmed version of uh, the 25th anniversary of Phantom of the Opera, um, which uh, I've been going back to a lot recently. Uh, but Hamilton is just so special because um, there's there's not a lot of shows like it, and it it has so many like just the music itself like that's why everyone was so obsessed with the recording of it but then getting to see it live and see um the set the turntable and the dancing and the ensemble just adds a whole another level to it but what i love most about this uh recording of it is uh you really get to see those subtle facial expressions that the characters and the actors don't really do for the audience because they can't really see it, but they do it for themselves to really get into the character. And with that, uh, with that camera so close on, we got to see those moments. Um, my favorite one was when um, uh, Angelica, uh, Renee Elise Goldsberry, um, was going from her speech at the beginning of Satisfied into the rewind, and you got to really look at her face, and it was just heartbreaking and beautiful. I agree with when it comes to the close-ups. I thought that was one. I think there are some. Like, I don't want to get into like the nit, like to nitpick because I don't think it, it's necessary for something like this because it's it's hard to capture a musical. I think it, it's it's pretty a stage performance like this. It's not easy because you want to be dynamic, but you don't want to get in the way of the actors. And you don't want to be unbelievable. So it is a difficult thing to have to try to capture, but I fully agree that a lot of the closer moments, I think for me, it was uh, Leslie Odom Jr. Anytime they got a close up on like, uh, wait for it or uh, actually, and um, uh, room where it happened. I'm, yeah. I'm going to kind of paraphrase his names of songs. Uh, apologies. Um, but there were some moments where you're able to like catch like this, like hopelessness, but also sometimes hopefulness where it's like, you kind of think he's getting like the leg up on the situation, but like, 
I mean, though, I think the only musical I've seen at the Pantages was Book of Mormon. And like even being we were on the floor, which was kind of cool. But we were like kind of dodging a pillar to like look at what was happening. Like it was it was still difficult. And you're not really seeing any specific facial expressions unless they're doing them really big. Um, So, yeah, there was that was a cooler element to this. that You're able to capture those more intimate moments with the characters. Uh, But throwing it to Caitlin, uh, what did you think of this uh, tape performance? And have you ever really watched a taped musical before and do you have any opinions on them yeah um i'm with maggie you know i kind of watch those same handful you know it's it's something that i've always wished that they did more of these um and that's a really big debate in the broadway community is you know should we do this or should we keep it just to strictly live performances um i'm definitely in favor of things like this you know i i think one of the tough things about broadway is how inaccessible it is to many people yeah you know i mean Obviously, you know, somebody like me, I'm lucky that I live in New York, but, you know, obviously not everybody has that opportunity to just go hop on a train and go see a Broadway show over the weekend. Um, So, you know, seeing something like this, it's definitely something that I'm in favor of. Um, You know, it's, you were talking earlier about, you know, concerts, they're still special because they're a live performance. I kind of feel the same way about this because, you know, yes, a band will make an album and they'll sell copies of the album and people will buy it and listen to it at home, but they're still going to buy a ticket to see it live because there's just something extra special about it. Um, so, you know, obviously I, I say support live theater, go see the shows when they're there, support all aspects of it, support the people behind the scenes. But for those of you that can't do that, absolutely support any way you can. And this is, in my opinion, a perfect way to do that, you know, make these things available so that you can still be a part of that community and support it, even if you're states away or in another country, whatever the case is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. To jump yeah. off that uh, in our discord, um, uh, Robbie uh, specifically pointed out, she's, um, uh, is there something you noticed in the film that you hadn't seen before? Um, specifically referencing, she, she references Burr's face when Hamilton endorses Jefferson. Like you guys are talking about some of those specific stuff. I know for me, uh, something I noticed with Jonathan Groff's spittle when he was, uh, as the king, <laughs> his, he, uh, his enunciation oh, was very, was very moist. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed I lo- it. Personally, I loved it. And I did want to ask, actually, I did want to specifically talk about that. Maggie or Caitlin, one of you can grab it. Is there a, besides enunciation, <laughs> Is there a reason character-wise he would be doing it? Is it just to kind of point out that he's gross or do you think that's a personal choice? What are your, just overall, what are your thoughts on the spittle? I think it was a full accident that he just ran with. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Agreed. It was I was gross. Actually talking, I was just talking to my roommates about this right before this. We were watching it earlier. And yeah, I, I think it was just, he was really into the performance, just really singing his heart out and it just happened. So here we go. We're going to go with it. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, oh, no, no, go for it, go for it. Um, because it would be out of character for him to go and like wipe his mouth, because like, oh, that's right. something that I wasn't <laughs> supposed to do. But he's the king; like everything he does is the right choice in his mind. Like um, even his like comment that's like, I didn't know that was something you could do. Step down. <laughs> I didn't know you could do that. Like that's a great point. Yeah. Um. Just a quick. Uh, a little side note i found out recently that jonathan groff is a part of my family tree wow let's get him on the show (laughs) his mom's maiden name is whitmer and my older sister is really into genealogy so and then she found out the names of her parents and then tracked it into my tree it's very it's a, a long ways away but it's in there so i'm i'm related to him a tiny bit yeah, I've sent, you've sent him an email. You've got his phone number. You're ready to like move in. It, I got you know, it. A, a really relaxed and chill thing to do would be to email him a genealogy and say, "Talk to me." <laughs> We're Talk family. Me. Call me. But also, call me. It's a family issue. <laughs> going off what you guys were talking about a little bit, uh, Kayla Marie zero three three talked about being curious about how this is going to affect the industry um, because, uh, like you all were talking about, um, the, the Broadway. Uh, she says, I hope sales stay big when Broadway comes back. So other shows will want to release recordings like this. There's so many great shows that left too soon. and should be seen by people. Producers all think that if they release recording sales will go down. But, but like we've been talking about, you know, there's, there's so many people that just can't, there, there's an assumption. Uh, there's, there's a level of entry that either you, you need to be close 
or you need to be able to afford a plane ticket um, to go someplace where they, they can see that. And that's, that's going to be tough for a lot of people, especially now. Uh, I think just to kind of pick up on that, like I do like the idea of more taped ones, but also there are some like film musicals that like are film musicals, not filmed musicals, but like um, uh, specifically the original West Side Story. Uh, also, I think the new In the Heights that's coming out is uh, it looks really cool. And John M. Chu, who did Crazy Rich Asians, is directing it. And I there's something like just I've rewatched that that trailer like a million times because yeah. that was uh, I mentioned earlier that was the first musical I ever saw on Broadway and it just kicks ass that musical is so fucking cool um, that, which is like great I would never say that really about a musical but that musical is just so it felt cool watching it um, yeah and shout out to um, Anthony Ramos who plays um, if you watch the Disney Plus performance of Hamilton he plays uh, John Lawrence and Philip uh, Hamilton's son Philip um, and he is the star of uh, the in the heights movie that's coming out Usnavi. now next year yeah it's gonna be great which was supposed to be july of mm-hmm. this year which is a big listen bummer. i think we can all agree 2020 blows uh yeah. <laughs> so uh here's i think here's a pretty standard question that i think think most people would ask uh about this uh joelville uh asks your favorite song out of the whole song tra- soundtrack let's start with caitlin i think my favorite is probably satisfied um Renee Elise Goldberry just is a superstar and that that song just everything about it the music the choreography the staging it's just perfect um and so that's usually the one that I go to you stole my answer I was gonna say that (laughs) (laughs) then I'll go to my second favorite which is burn I think any song that features any of the ladies is my favorite because they are just rock stars like powerhouses their performances are so good uh this actually leads to a question i have uh since we've got you both on how do you feel about how the women are represented in this show uh, because obviously there there is a little bit of a hurdle in in the, the times that it, it's supposed to take place but it's something i've i've thought about the the way women are um, represented, I think specifically that what made me start thinking about it was, uh, I think historically, Angelica w- was not in love with Alexander. That was something that they added to create more tension to the play. Um, but how do you how do you guys feel about the way the women are represented in the play? Um, I I was actually thinking about that because I was like, wow, all of the major female characters are all in love with Hamilton mm-hmm. at some point, you know? And uh, Hamilton is played by the guy that wrote it. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, it, it feels a little, like, self-indulgent. But, like, I know he's married and, like, and Lynn is married and has kids, but, like, maybe there was, like, that part of him where it's, like, there weren't enough women, like, fawning after me, you know? Mm-hmm. So it could have been, like, a selfish reason. Um, but I... I have a a stance where like, I don't think like creative people should be involved in like the performing sides of shows Um, just on like a community level, like on the level that I do. um, It's always, they always give themselves the lead or they always (laughs) put themselves in the front. If they're the, if they're the choreographer and they're also in the show, like they give themselves the coolest moves. Yeah. So it, it always feels like they're their main purpose is themselves and not the actual show it's um, kind of how i feel about anytime taika watiti shows up in a taika watiti movie it's like the movie <laughs> stops and it's like here i am <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it's those people that like they found their niche in like writing and creative and creating but there's also that part of them that wants to be the star yeah so um i think that's uh that's an issue that i had but i think that that's if you're like thinking way too deep into it, but I think surface level, um, they, um, they all do an amazing job and I, they, their, their parts could be a little less centered around Hamilton, but the show is called Hamilton. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I get, and also, by the way, we have a comment from, uh, Salma who was saying, um, historically Angelica had a flirtation with Alexander. The, there were letters were kind of suggestive, but there was no full affair, which I, that wasn't shown in the movie or in the, musical as well but that is a a fair criticism of it and also like i get why it's 
more complicated because it is a story of the times and like why and also Hamilton's story maybe that was all of the documented women in his entire life <laughs> besides his mom who is not on is not can't really be shown yeah. there isn't a story to tell her really ghost about could her. come down her ghost and like which like it, it's a fair criticism though you know it's like uh, to explore it but um wow eliza and angelica their songs are heartbreaking and beautiful and their uh the performances from those actresses are just goddamn powerhouses besides i mean like my per- personal favorite uh I, just, I didn't get to say it earlier i just wanted to say wait for it is, is uh, anytime lin-manuel writes a sad song i'm like he was really good at like pump up songs like he at like getting you like sucked into the moment um but his sad songs sometimes just like stick with me more um uh, in new teal i might be saying that wrong but it's the it's a song from in the heights where it's a father talking about that uh he and his father had to give up a lot to get to America, had to give up a lot to get there. And uh, talking about the sacrifices he's trying to make for his daughter to like have a life. And she was going to Stanford and like trying to figure out what is right for her. It's like this beautiful short song and in the Heights. And I don't even, I could see why it would get cut from the the movie, but it's one of my favorite songs. And so wait for it personally is uh, one of my favorites. I think it's also a favorite of, most people who've seen them it's, play, so I don't feel special with saying that, but I, I, it did stick with me the most. It's my wife's favorite song as well. It's funny that you mentioned that one because it's actually her favorite as well. For me, um, uh, another Aaron Burr song, uh, "The Room Where It Happens." I, I like, I like the the heel turn in that moment. Another, from what I understand, another um, historical difference is that Aaron Burr is really not that involved in, in Hamilton's life up until the moment he kills him. Uh, whereas in this, they kind of build it that they've had a long standing relationship, I think mostly to give us an opportunity to explain uh, what Burr's deal is. So he doesn't just pop in in the third act. Um, but, uh, but the room where it happens, I think is, is um, my favorite song. And I think it's important to give a shout out to uh, Leslie Odom Jr., because even though the the show is Hamilton, I actually think the star of Hamilton, which became more apparent to me watching it, is Burr. Because he's also the one that narrates it. And he's also, it's it's almost kind of from his perspective. A thousand percent. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, yeah. and watching this too, I think, because having seen Wicked at the Pantages, I think there's something unique there's a unique Venn diagram of the way of villains in musical theater and how they benefit from musical theater. And I think it has a little bit to do with camp, uh, specifically in um, The King, uh, because he's able to come out with that all that regalia and everything. And so there's that little bit of camp that makes that just makes the audience gravitate towards the the humor and all that. And it made me think of um, uh, Galinda in Wicked because she's kind of an antagonist, but she's also the funniest character and also the most colorful character. Um, and so it's just interesting the way musical theater kind of, uh, uh, I think, almost unintentionally like elevates its antagonists. No, I get yeah, it. And I, uh, I, I mean, he was amazing in this, and I. Uh, that song also I did want to give a shout out. I mean, David Diggs, one one shout out because I saw him at brunch one time and my girlfriend lost her mind. Mm-hmm. She was a big she's a big David Diggs fan. Um we did not go say hi to him, but he was getting brunch and uh this was obviously a long time ago. But um uh his Thomas Jefferson, his Lafayette's great, but his Thomas Jefferson, that like that specific point of view of like him like writing the declaration, piecing out to France for a long time and then coming back and just being like looking for really to benefit himself yeah. most of all not really the country i liked the entire thing and it also is like willy wonka-esque uh demeanor and fashion sense big big fan yes. big fan of the whole thing um but uh His, did oh go ahead oh i was gonna say um david's little moments of uh humor and like ad-libbing um like it um cabinet battle number two just finished and hamilton and jefferson are like having a beef and then he starts to singing like the um, he's like, oh, like, fuck, like he ha- always has Washington. And then Burr just comes out of nowhere. And then he just looks back. He's like, where the fuck did you come from? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah, laughed so hard thing, at that. That's one thing I absolutely love about seeing this film performance is because on the cast recording, you really lose how funny this show is. There's mm-hmm. really a lot of comedy in there in those little moments where you just get to see them just reacting in the moment and it's completely lost in the the cast recording. So that's, that's one of my favorite things about it for sure. Uh, to jump- I really, I really liked uh, 
like Jonathan Groff when he's like has the reaction to John Adams where it's like John, John Adams that guy yeah. <laughs> he puts his hand out like I mean the petite guy like that you that's the guy you want to that you want to elect um, mainly because in a lot of other media whenever John Adams is talked about they're like no secretly he was the linchpin he's the one who saved the whole country but I like this like one point of view of him being like a man. Eh, he was number two. Yeah, nobody. <laughs> like, we kind of moved on past yeah, it. Yeah, nobody likes John Adams. And to jump off that point, and I I should have looked up the correct way to pronounce this actor's name before I jumped on. I'm going to do my best, and I apologize because I'm probably not going to do well. But it's Okiereti Ona Dewan. I believe he goes by Oak. Uh, but he plays Hercules Mulligan and James Madison. And Hercules Mulligan is one of my favorite characters. The the, the energy he brings to that performance, uh, even though Hercules is a relatively small part, uh, just makes me gravitate towards him whenever he sings. But also when you talk about moments of humor that you miss, when they talk about the, what is it, the Bill of Rights, and you hear James Madison, which I wrote, and you just, when you're listening to it, you're like, oh, which I wrote. But when you see the performance, it's like, no, he's contextualizing, because he's basically like Thomas Jefferson's little bitch for most of the thing. And that's his moment of like, I did that, all right? I'm header too. Wait, and also, correct me if I'm wrong, because I know you guys have listened to it more, but um, and J- James Madison helped write the Federalist Papers. You wrote five of them, something like that? Or is it somebody else? Am I incorrect? It's when um, they talk yeah. about like Hamilton yeah, writing. You're, 50. you're you, correct. Yeah. I like that too. Cause like for me, whenever the Federalist Papers were mentioned, James Madison's name is always attached to it, not Hamilton. Like mm-hmm. I it pers- whenever I learned about it, also watching National Treasure, they talked about James Madison. And yeah, like, yeah. Uh, he, and that's just funny that he wrote five of them, but he got the credit. But like Hamilton, like cranked out 51 of them to like try to like push this narrative for, for this constitution. And like, I just, I, I love the idea of that. And, uh, it's just there's a lot of point of views for a lot of these historical figures that are worth exploring obviously hamilton is the protagonist but i like that he can they allow this musical to tell the flaw in his character that he basically bulldozes people Mm -hmm. he does care but he does really not want to he wants to make sure that his life means something for him specifically and he's able to make change but that doesn't mean necessarily he's the best guy in the world also he has an affair that fucking blows and uh but anyways i I just i I like that they're able to like lampoon some of their characters and they're able to let them be human and make mistakes and uh also the favorite version of thomas jefferson (laughs) just in (laughs) any in any kind of medium whatsoever i think more thomas jefferson like that also uh is it king i'm trying to was it king george who was the king at the time yeah king george great king george don't yeah. need another version of them. Play this version of them forever. Also, I'm sure I'm I'm sure they won for costume design because I know they won eleven Tonys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope they won specifically for Thomas Jefferson and King George, just because those were the ones that stuck with me. All the women looked amazing as well. Their dresses were incredible, but just something about those those specific costumes. But I did really quick want to give a shout out to uh, the PBS documentary Hamilton's America. Uh, if nice. you guys have cable or if you're able to access that, it's it's not long. It's not that long. It's it, also maybe I've only watched a portion of it, mm-hmm. but it is a wonderful like deep dive into uh, Lin Manuel creating Hamilton and what inspired him and a lot of fun anecdotes. My uh, my mom likes to because she's a huge fan of Hamilton, like it, just the biggest fan, and uh, she likes to share an anecdote that like ha- uh, that uh, Lin Manuel was on his way to get dinner with some friends, but on the way to dinner, he created wait for it. And so he like asked for dinner to go and he went back. I know I'm butchering this fucking <laughs> anecdote. I'm probably messing it up a lot, but it, it's hearing him say it and hearing the way PBS, they, they I mean, they, it's PBS. They're going to do a doc, good documentary. Um, I, I, I highly recommend it for diving into the, the history of uh, this musical and uh, Lin-Manuel's fascination with uh uh, Hamilton and the Founding Fathers. Uh, highly recommended. Have any of you guys checked it out? I have. Uh, I had it recorded on the DVR for a really long time, um, and I feel like everyone's mom loves Hamilton. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like my mom has been around theater for a long time because like all of her kids did it and then just seeing a few shows but hamilton is the one that she really grasped onto she like made me watch it she didn't make me watch it but we watched it at midnight together when it came uh-huh. out. <laughs> it's the moment That's- where it's the moment where everybody's mom is like have you heard about this rap thing i think i, I think it might have i think it might take off like <laughs> oh wait this is rap yeah wait this is rap <laughs> 
Oh, this she's is like, rad. And she's like, why don't you do this? Yeah. <laughs> um, by the way, Salma in the chat says hopeless or helpless and satisfied. Uh, is that the name of the song? Are those yes. the names of songs? Yeah, the, the giving a shout out to their favorite. Uh, also, um, Kate Houlihan says Maggie say pog. And then Jay Shark said Maggie say pog. Do you want God. to say pog? No, God damn it, you guys. <laughs> All right, don't worry. I did it for you. Uh, I got you covered. Don't worry. Um, but oh, man. <laughs> uh, any final thoughts uh, for Hamilton or Lin-Manuel? Or are you excited for In the Heights? I want more people to be excited for In the Heights because I can never shut up about it. I'm going to go listen to it right after this. I listen to Blackout. Ooh, that song's so cool. Fuck, I'm getting excited right now. Anyways, any final thoughts from Caitlin? Uh, we'll throw to you first. Yeah, I mean, as far as in uh, in the Heights movie, I am unbelievably excited. So I'm right there with you. Um, the first time I saw that trailer in a movie theater, I cried because I was just so excited. Um, so yeah, whenever that happens, I'll definitely be there. Um, but yeah, I'm just overall with this this recording of Hamilton, I'm just really glad that it's now available for so many people that have waited so long to be able to see it. Mm -hmm. um, I hope everybody enjoys it. I hope everybody can, you know, find some joy in it in this crazy time we're in right now. Yeah. And I hope they do more things like this in the future because I really think this is really what Broadway needs to do to kind of get to that next step. Agreed. Uh, Maggie, any final thoughts from you? Um, I would just like to say thank thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. Um, and yeah, I um, I studied musical theater like in school and um, I, it's been a big part of my life for a really long time. And I just hope that this um, like awakens a lot of like musical theater people. Um, of course, like the biggest show and there will be those people that are like, oh, you like Hamilton. And because it's popular, people will think that it's shit. Mm -hmm. um, don't listen to them. The show is amazing. And then I hope that this inspires you to go see other shows go see the the professional ones that may come around your town save up and or maybe go to new york someday i've never been to a broadway show i hope to do that um in the near future you deserve uh, it <laughs> you. um but if there's if you see something in your local town that looks kind of interesting go see it like those those people, it's like their one chance that they get to like live out this fantasy and and working toward their goals of maybe doing it professionally or just their one chance. And as someone who does community theater, when when people come and see it and like they're not your friends and family and they come up to you and say that they had a good time, it might not always be good, but it means a lot to those people. And theater is just really important to so many people. So thanks for watching Hamilton but keep supporting your, your local, your local theater programs. That's great advice, Maggie. Thank you. And also I remember whenever I did musicals, like the few I did, uh, I remember when people would come up like, wow, I didn't know you could do that where it's not, it's not really a compliment. They were just like, wow, <laughs> you know, you could do that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, they didn't say anything nice there, but I'll take what I can get. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it definitely meant a lot that you were even here yeah. at all. Uh, but gang, thank you so much for joining us today for another episode of Only Stupid Answers. Please, like we said in the beginning, uh, rate and review us on any of your podcast listening apps. Apple Podcast is the cream of the crop. That's the king right now. So that would be uh, greatly appreciated if you're able to do that. You could also check out our Patreon. You can watch our reviews for DC properties and other movies over at youtube.com slash Only Stupid Answers. And of course, you could follow us on Twitter at Only Stupid Answers. Yank out the vowels from stupid. Uh, DJ, any final thoughts? Yeah, I just want to thank again for uh, Caitlin and Maggie for joining us. Thank you for hopping on the show today and talking about Hamilton with us. And uh, yeah, stay tuned for, like Sam said, for more podcast episodes and more reviews. Fantastic. Uh, gang, we appreciate you uh, and all your support. We'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.